Well, hello everybody and welcome to this week's Infection Control Matters. It's Martin Keenan here and um, my special guest today is Professor Brett Mitchell. Brett, I believe you've been on the podcast before. Hello, Martin. Yes, just a few times, <laughs> uh, in fact. Okay, now we're going to have a chat about a paper that uh, that Brett has... It's piqued his interest a bit, and it's uh, a paper from the European, uh, well, it's ECDC, Nosocomial Infection Study Group, uh, headed up by Professor Henry Humphreys and Marguerite Voss and a few other key players. But uh, this is a paper published in the Journal of Hospital Infection, mm. and uh, Brett, you're going to tell us about it. Yep, thanks, Martin. Yeah, it was published, it's a pre preprint at the moment, um, maybe by the time this podcast goes out, it'll be in full press, um, but it has been peer-reviewed. So... In this, um, this is a survey that the ESCMID study group for nosocomial infections did across Europe. And uh, you know, the purpose of the study was to do a bit of a survey about environmental sampling practices of innate hospital surfaces. And, you know, I've always had an interest in, obviously, in cleaning and environmental services, but um, this sort of concept of swabbing has always been... An interesting one because I can see the pros and the cons and the bones of contention with it. So I was really interested when I saw this because I thought, oh, wonderful. It'd be great to see what people are doing about swabbing the environment in their institutions. So uh, look, the survey was um, was sent out through some member groups, the ESCMED um, study group, the European Society for Clinical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases, Hospital Infection Society, and the study group for nosocomial infections. Um, and it was sent out in um, towards the end of the second half of last year in 2021. Now, um, what they were really interested in looking at were three things. They were interested in the sampling practices that people were doing. They were interested in the role that people had in environmental sampling and the sampling process methods so three things i think are quite pertinent to um when we're thinking about environmental sampling what we might do uh, there is a there is a big gap in this paper for my mind if i if i look back now and i know we usually talk about limitations at the end but i would have loved them to be asking how a bit brutal going for limitations, yeah, limitations at the beginning. well it's not a limitation <laughs> It's something I think, I wonder okay. if they thought about doing this and be fascinated to hear if they thought about it or they just didn't want to go down that route. But how you actually swab, not what what you swab with, but you know what surface area do you do, uh, for example, I didn't mm -hmm. see covered in this survey. I stand corrected, but I couldn't find um, information on that. And I think that's um, that would be fascinating perhaps for a follow-up piece of work. But anyway, they had 89... People respond to the survey. We're a bit unsure about what the denominator is because that's yeah, near impossible when you send out surveys through study groups. Mm -hmm. That's that's just a given. But um, the range of people who responded, clinical microbiologists, uh, infectious, uh, sorry, in uh, infection control practitioners were the, were the vast majority of people who responded. Um, and across 21 different countries, so quite a good representation. That said... Over just over half were from the Netherlands, and about twenty percent were from the UK. Maybe because the Netherlands can mm. speak really English exceptionally well, and the UK try and um, and um, I'm, I'm having a what's trying to speak <laughs> yeah, English well, speak English well, just like me tonight. Um, <clears throat> anyway, yeah, me too. So um, yeah, look, that 
there was a good cross-section of different countries, but predominantly from Netherlands and the UK. So a few things that they, in terms of the results, the, the respondents reported this, and this is an interesting one because later on I'll, I'll might come back to this, but they reported that they had a good to excellent knowledge of sample collection. Yeah, we're good at thinking we're great, we, aren't we? Well, that's right. In fact, let's just go straight to that point, Martin, because um, I think in one of the things that the authors found was that the respondents claimed to have a good to excellent knowledge at the start of the survey, but a substantial proportion of these respondents were not able to answer the relevant questions. So interesting. Um, Self-evaluation is always hard, of course. It does say, say something to that type of question. It's always a difficult one to gauge when people self-report knowledge. But similarly, 75% of Respondents also reported they always or usually had a sampling protocol. So they had a process by which they were going to go about their sampling, which was good to see or would have been great to hear what that sampling protocol actually involved. So on those sort of three points that they looked at, the first thing they wanted to look at was sample locations. So what sites did people sample? And, um, and look, they did vary a lot. UK respondents. Interestingly, never sampled the privacy curtain for any microorganism. <laughs> now, I'm not, not sure. Right. I'm not sure why that's the case. Um, quite fascinating. I wouldn't mind, but Tim Boswell's published loads of papers on sampling privacy curtains and has grown all sorts and has detected the source of outbreaks related yeah, to that. That's, that's right. in Nottingham. I remember an outbreak that I was involved with, and um, we, we privacy curtains played a big role on that one. Um, so, yeah, but it's interesting. So bearing in mind, you know, quite a few respondents from the UK. Um, so they say they never sampled mm. the privacy curtain. Um, the Dutch respondents um, never sampled the mattress and the patient locker for pseudomonas. This is where it starts to get interesting because there are such intricacies with how people were sampling or not sampling different locations. And then on top of that, sampling or not sampling certain locations, but variation of what the organisms were that they were actually sampling for. Mm. And there was another little interesting thing. Among, among the, the Dutch, UK, and Irish res- respondents, there was consensus not to sample the shower head, shower drain, or the toilet bowl for MRSA. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, but um, mm. look, probably not, not unexpected for that one. On the sort of CPE front, that was another interesting thing. So dry sites were mainly sampled for CPE, except in the Netherlands, where these were frequently sampled, and wet or damp sites were mainly assessed for CPE in the UK and Ireland, as well as pseudomonas. So again, it just goes back to that point. You know, there's just this enormous variation in sites and what people were sampling. Is that a product of the literature? Because there's been that many papers about drains and splashing from drains and, you know, finding bugs down drains that people are actually actively looking down there and thinking that's a problem. And personally, I don't necessarily think it's such an issue because it's how does it get out of the drain I'm more worried about. You know, if mm. you can clear the organisms from the top end so that it's, you don't get a splash, that's an issue. But, you know, there's been so many papers again recently, despite the fact that we actually knew this back in the 80s, mm. Uh, that that uh, you know is that is that just bias because that people are seeing these things in the literature and then thinking oh maybe I'll go and do that sampling myself maybe maybe and I think I can't remember your analogy Martin where you talk about sinks being 
the, the toilet of the, I can't remember what you say now, but basically what you're getting at is you, what do you expect to find? Because you're washing away all the bugs from your hands. Well, that's the whole point, isn't it? Mm. You know, if you go to the toilet and wipe your backside, uh, for those of your sensitive nature, I apologise, uh, you know, then you're going to wash your hands afterwards, hopefully. So therefore, what you've got on your hands, on your hands mm. when you've been cleaning yourself goes down the sink. Yeah. Duh. That's right. You know, You're going to find it. <laughs> so I'd be more worried to, to not find organisms down the sink, to be absolutely honest. Mm. You know, and if staff are looking after a patient and they've been cleaning them up and they've been fecally incontinent, there's a chance they may have fecal matter on their hands, we, we recommend they wash their hands in the sink with soap and water. If we get C. diff cases, we say use soap and water. We know C. diff spores come out of the rear end. Therefore, those are the sort of things you should find down a sink. So to me... Sampling sinks and finding a whole range of multi-resistant organisms tells me far more about people's hand hygiene than it does the 95% compliance on the wall door. <laughs> yeah, good point. So, and yeah. I wonder, you know, there are different priorities in different countries, and, and the authors allude to that quite quite nicely in the discussion. So, um, you know, countries that might have a specific priority for VRE because, you know, it's, it's um, either they might have a low prevalence, like the Netherlands might want to maintain a low prevalence of VRE, so they might well have a specific targeted strategy for swabbing VRE in certain situations that might be very dis- different to a country or that has a different epidemiology of that particular um, particular bug. So perhaps that's one of the reasons why we see some of the variation in this survey uh, as to what people are sampling and what they're looking for when they actually sample. I suppose that's reasonable, isn't it? You use your local epidemiology. I mean, I've, I've done sampling of the environment in the past, and funnily enough, I was going through some of my old papers the other day, and I found a photograph of myself from the early 1990s on top of a – this is in the local paper – on top of a stepladder wearing a you know a shirt and tie, long sleeves, swabbing the top of a curtain rail for MRSA because we'd had a ward closed because of MRSA, <laughs> you know, in the days when MRSA was a superbug. Yeah. Bit embarrassing, and I've I've done sampling of the environment for VRE. The thing is, your method determines whether you grow the thing or not, and that's yes. that's also the problem because I found that we didn't grow anything from a straight swab, but if we put them in the salt broth like we used to do for MRSA screens back in the day, then you would actually grow organisms if you enrich them first. and And I think Johnny Mayard and his group came up with the, why that's the case because these organisms are out there in dry biofilm or they're lying in the, around in the environment in a sessile form so it's not like when you look down a drone you see all the sludge and that's clearly going to be a lot of that is biofilm but in the dry environment you don't you can't detect uh, biofilm and and that, that's yeah. for me one of the limitations of this paper it doesn't mention biofilm at all so nobody's actually looking at the actual method of what you do with the swab to try and detect something yeah, I, I agree, man, totally. And, and you know, the, the, the next thing they leads on nicely, the next thing in the results are about the sample methods. Mm. They talk about, you know, Dutch respondents having preference for flock swabs and never using sponges, UK preferring cotton or flock swabs and sponges and never using, you know, wipes and, and, and no one using dip slides. So that's interesting, you know, the variation in the sampling method by which people are actually using, but... I think the, as I said at the start, you know, the thing that would be really interesting as well is to know is how people are actually swabbing in terms of the amount of surface area that they're swabbing. How is that relative to cleaning? And and what about dry biofilms? Mm. And, and so understanding those 
are really important because you see a lot of studies out there that report on environmental contamination as one of the outcomes, you know, for this for the studies. But I don't tell you how they did it. There's just too much variation about it. Yeah. Is it meaningfully between studies? <laughs> yeah, we sampled the environment, but how did you do it? You know, and I, I, I do, oh. I vividly remember chatting to the, uh, the late and great Tina Bradley from the uh, Hospital Infection Research Laboratory at Birmingham about sampling, and she was a great advocate of using a sponge because she felt you could actually put a bit more pressure on the sample on the surface, and therefore you might have more chance of removing organisms that were more embedded onto the surface in a sort of dry biofilm type way rather than just waving a swab over the top and then what sort of surface area do you do? And and also the other issue is, is your lab accredited to do surface sampling specimens? Because <laughs> a clinical microbiology lab in a hospital probably isn't, even though my lab were, uh, were very generous and would always, you know, well, well, we'll have a go and, you know, we'll use a method. But, they you know, they weren't accredited to do that sort of sampling. So that's that's another slight problem. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and the third thing they looked at then was the laboratory processing. And so, you know, what they found was that indirect culture methods were preferred for MRSA, VRE, CPE, and direct culture methods for things like Pseudomonas cenobacter. Um, for MRSA and VRE, selective enrichment broths were preferred as well. So again, you know, I'm not going to go through all of it, but there was a fair bit of variation there, perhaps a little bit more standardization in the laboratory processing which I guess you would expect compared to perhaps a lot of the variation when it came to sites and the organisms that were being targeted. So, look, I read this and I went, great. I really, I was so excited when I saw it and I thought, thank goodness someone's done it. And I'm glad that authors have done it. I really am. And it just left me with a lot more questions. Yeah, <laughs> well, end. that's, that's, that's good the, research though, isn't it? <laughs> that's good research. And I think the authors make a really good, Point. And it's, it sounds to me like this is the starting point, really. And mm. it's a great starting point because I think ultimately, reading between the lines, perhaps what the ultimate goal here is trying to come up with some consensus recommendations, guidelines, whatever you want to call them, to perhaps standardize some of these methods. And if they can achieve that, and this is a starting point for that, all kudos to all the authors on this paper because that's just so desperately needed. And what I'd love to see. Some, some kind of standard or guideline or protocol for for some of these where it's not saying we we can only do this in certain periods. You know, there's, there's lots of reasons why we'd go and do swabbing as part of epidemiological outbreaks and investigations. But when we do it, how are we going to do it hmm. um, and standardise that? And if we're going to do it in the context of research, then I think we can be thinking about things a bit more in terms of what we swab and, and some of the other detail that, that aligns with that. Yeah, I mean, I, my nervousness is that unless you really think hard about doing your swabbing, you stand a fairly good chance of disproving your theory that environment might be an issue for you mm. because you don't get your technique right. And I, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Elaine Cloutman Green, who, along with Stacey Rawlinson and Lena Sirich, published a paper in the Green Journal, in the Journal of Health, Hospital Infection, uh, I think it was about. 2019 which is a review of methods of taking specimens from samples and i'll, I'll put a link to it in the uh, in the paper mm. it's you know it, the paper's called how to carry out microbiological sampling a review of the current evidence it was a, i think it's a very nice piece of work it says it's very difficult to actually draw overall conclusions that most of these these studies were based in laboratories and not undertaken in a real hospital environment where lots of different things like the sampling recovery could affect the variables present um, but they did make some recommendations and 
and I think that also is a is a good starter as well. So that that's a nice yeah. paper. I know I know she and Lena and I have I've got a study grant from the Healthcare Infection Society at the moment, and um, we're working on that sort of piece of work as well. So, oh, interesting. And Sam is that's the leader. Cool. We'll, we'll one, have so. to get some more on that. I'd love to hear more about that at some point, man. Yeah. Be, um, well, we get Lena and uh, and Elaine and Sam on. I think because that's you know, it'd be interesting yeah. to find okay. out because. They've done a lot of sampling at Great Ormond Street, and they sample the environment for adenovirus and, and other viruses. And you know they're, they're mm. very expert at it, so I think they'd be good people to get on sometime. It's such a common question that gets asked, oh, yeah. you know. Uh, so I think I think that is going to be a topic. We we do need to get them on, and um, mm. I think that's something that people might well be interested in. If it is, please do give us a shout out on Twitter because uh, we'd, we'd love to hear about topics you're interested in as well. Mm. So. Look, yeah, so I think this is, a, this is a great piece of work. It's going to be a, a starting point for many things to come, hopefully, and combined with some of the work that sounds like going on in other areas. Mm. Um, yeah, that's that's probably why it, uh, it piqued my interest there, Martin. And, uh, I guess anything in the environment uh, often does, but um, this one in particular. Yeah, I like reading a paper that makes me go, oh, yeah, but, oh, yeah, but, and have we, have we thought about that, and why haven't we done that? So, And this mm. is one of those, I think. It's, uh, it's, it's one that... Mm. Makes your brain work, and I like those sort of papers. It does indeed. Well, Martin, as usual, great chatting, and um, thanks to everybody who's uh, joined us for this uh, Infection Control Matters podcast. And uh, as as I sort of mentioned, we would love to get your feedback on the on on the podcast and comments on on what you want in the future as well. So please do get in contact with us, and Twitter is probably the best way to do that. But um, I think it's the only way to get as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way we promote yeah, this that's true <laughs> yeah. alright thanks very much Martin great to see you cheers Matt bye for now <laughs>